I'm Chris Stevenson, and you're listening to Strange Assembly, episode 68, Icebreaker. Never stop gaming. Strange Assembly is a podcast and website about board games, card games, and role-playing games. Legend of the Five Rings, and beyond. Welcome to Strange Assembly. This is Chris Stevenson, and with me here today is David Kempe. Hey, Kempe. Hello. Now, those of you who have listened to Strange Assembly in the past may recognize Kempe from a prior set review. He is a Mantis homer over in L5R land. But today, he is here because he was the winner of the first big tournament for Android Netrunner, and that was the Icebreaker Tournament at... Gen Con. So, tell me, Kempi, how does it feel to have the biggest ego of anyone in the Netrunner community? Well, I mean, I think going into the tournament, I already had the biggest ego of anyone in the Netrunner community. This just sort of bolstered it in ways it really shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, my ego does not need help. So, you play L5R, and you were playing Netrunner before the Fantasy Flight re-release. Uh, how did you first get into Netrunner? Well, Kevin Kennedy, who's on your podcast, he actually introduced me to Netrunner, and then I introduced him to L5R, or vice versa, I can't remember which. But I just thought it was a great game, and we played constantly before he started playing L5R a lot, in which case we sort of moved over to that. But yeah, he was he was basically the person who got me into Netrunner. Do you think that your history playing the original version of Netrunner was a big help during the Icebreaker tournament? Yeah, absolutely. The deck is very... Con- very forgiving in deck construction. I think some cards are not great, but you can probably still win with them. It's not forgiving in gameplay. If you make a bad deck construction decision, you can probably get over it. If you make a bad gameplay decision, you probably won't be able to get over it. So knowing, for example, that as the runner, you need to be running really often really early is really a big boon, especially when I was in a group that didn't necessarily know that. I know that in my finals match, the my opponent as the runner was very, very cautious, probably a little bit more cautious than he should have been. Before we get into anything specific, tell us generally about how the Icebreaker tournament went. It was uh, four rounds of Swiss, and then a cut to top four, so it was basically single elimination. The way the matches worked was you had, you played one match as the corp, one match as the runner. If you won both matches, both games, you won the match. If you won one game and lost, lost one game, uh, you got points based on the number of agendas you scored in your losing game. And if that number is higher than your opponent's number, then you win the match. Um, I lost a total of two games, but I won all my matches in the Swiss rounds. What were you 
expecting to see out of the field at the Icebreaker tournament, and how did that compare to what decks people actually ended up running? I was expecting noise trash decks. I was expecting... I was definitely expecting to see a lot of Scorched Earth, and I was absolutely right. There was a lot of Scorched Earth. What I didn't expect was for Criminal to make as big of an appearance as it did. It didn't end up in the top four, but it was relatively popular in the tournament as a, as a whole. Shaper, which is... the uh, Shaper was a little bit uh, more popular than I expected, to, expected it to be. Um, Jinteki was a little bit less popular than I expected it to be. I saw a lot of Wayland and a lot of... Uh, I think there was a lot of Hotspire Road, though I didn't actually play them. Um, but Jinteki, uh, with the best agenda in the game and the best uh, corp ability in the game, just did not get as much love for some reason. Presumably you were then playing uh, Jinteki on the corp side. Uh, what what were your decks, and how did you decide on those factions? So I spent the first two days playing with Kevin almost constantly. I, I had bought two boxes so I could build four decks, two corp and two runner, um, and I spent most of the time just fiddling with a NBN deck, a Jinteki deck, a Anarch deck, and a Shaper deck. The Anarch deck basically was very little changed from just straight out of the box. Um, and our basic deck is actually really good. And the Shaper deck just seemed a little bit more consistent. That's why I ended up playing Shaper as my runner. As the Corp, and I found that NBN was incredibly difficult to build. I think the NBN deck was changed like four or five times in the span of four or five hours. But the Jinteki deck just flowed a little bit better um, and was easier to build and was certainly easier to play. That's why I ended up with Jinteki. Now just to, to tangent off the Icebreaker tournament itself for a second, you mentioned buying two boxes of, of Netrunner. I think that most people would agree that if you want to be a serious quote-unquote Netrunner player, whatever that means, you'd want to go ahead and pick up two copies of the core set, but you don't actually technically get a play set of everything unless you buy three boxes, which I have not bothered doing. Do you think that there's any need for someone to pick up a, a third box to be a serious Netrunner tournament player? Not really. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to have a third corporate troubleshooter or a third San San City grid, but if you're buying a third box, you're paying... 40 bucks for three cards. Um, and this isn't magic. That's not something you do. <laughs> I'm not sure how much of a chance you've had to to see what local tournaments have do, been doing because they haven't had world championships or anything. But do you think that the, the environment and what factions people are playing has been relatively consistent since the icebreaker tournament or does it seem to fluctuate a lot or I mean what's your impression of that I criminal shaper and anarch well criminals might become more popular um, I feel like all three runner factions are both playable and 
really, really sort of play towards their strengths a little bit better. Wayland has gone way down in how much people are playing them. Um, at least partially due to the fact that Criminal has become more popular. And Criminal has all of the cards that meta against Wayland. And Criminal can play all of the cards that meta against Wayland without having to really muck up their deck. I feel like Hospiroid has gotten a little bit more popular, mostly because people have seen that bio, the Bioroid efficiency card. I can't even remember the name of it. Biotic Labor. Yeah, because Biotic Labor is really good, and San San City Grid is really good. NBN has has seen more play, despite the fact that NBN... I think the statistics are that NBN wins a little bit less than every other corp. Um, <laughs> I've been playing online a lot, and they've been pulling statistics on win percentages, and NBN is doing the worst, despite the fact that everyone is playing it. What other cards, other than, I guess, Pad Campaign being an obvious one, are there... Any other cards as a court player that you're willing to just sit out there unprotected in a server and see if the runner's willing to pay to get rid of your card? Uh, Zabatsu Loyalty. In fact, you basically have to do that for Zabatsu Loyalty. I think Zabatsu Loyalty, Pad Campaign, and San San City Grid are, are probably the only ones. When the game was just starting, I know that uh, my opponent, when he was playing Corp in the finals match put out an Adonis campaign, but now people realize how incredibly good Adonis campaign is, and the fact that paying three to stop your opponent from getting 12 is probably a good deal. <laughs> Let's just pick one card each for Runner and Corp. What would you think the most overrated card is for each side? Oh, gosh. Only one card, and you want it to be overrated. Yes. Well, the next question can be underrated if you want to answer that one, too. Well, I, I know for Shaper right now, after I built a deck basically around Aesop's Pawn Shop for the tournaments, and like this huge flame war went up on Board Game Geek about how great or terrible a card Aesop's Pawn Shop is, I feel like that card is a little bit overrated now. It's a good card. Um, it's just not as good as everyone thinks it is. For what criminal? Um, I think inside job is incredibly overrated. I think it's again. I think it's a good card. I think it can win games. I think that about seventy-five percent of the time you're going to be running on a server that doesn't do as much as you want it to. The, it, the card doesn't end up doing as much as you want it to do. For Wayland, I think... Uh, I, I know I talk about how great this card is, but Icewall is probably a little bit overrated by the people that run it. I think it's really, really good. I think that it has its place in a lot of decks. I think that it's probably put in decks that shouldn't run it. I don't think Jinteki, for example, can run Ice Wall because their 8-cost thing is a barrier. So you end up just running a lot of barriers. 
Uh, see, I, I didn't intend for this to be quite so hard. I, th I thought I'd get an easy, oh, Scorched Earth is overrated or something. Scorched Earth is the most environment-deforming card in the environments. It's not overrated. You have to build a... You have to build your deck and you have to play your game thinking, maybe my opponent's running Scorched Earth. Maybe they're that kind of douchebag. Maybe they're a Genteki deck running Scorched Earth because they want to just flatline me to death. <laughs> uh, On the other hand, right, aren't a lot of those NBN decks tagging bags? And you were just talking about how NBN's not really doing that gate. I guess I, it may come as a shock to our listeners, but I actually talk to people sometimes when I'm not recording. And, I mean, I know that we've talked about how incredibly random it can be whether your deck works when you have to get this one exact card to make it do its thing, especially as the corp when you usually don't want to be sitting there drawing cards. Well, NBN, the problem that they're having is despite having probably the best ice in the game, it, with Tollbooth the rest of their ice is pretty terrible especially if the runner stops caring about tags, like he might do if he decides to run on R&D four or five times. Which I guess brings me to probably the most overrated NBN card, which would be Data Raven. Which again, while good, will not stop a runner when he s stops caring. I should ask this so I don't forget, because it's, I know it's very, very tremendously important. Red, blue, or green, purple? Red, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I, well, my my sleeves actually match whatever the different factions are. I don't, I'm not sure I could care any less about the different colors of the backs of the cards. I think the, the red-blue is fun. I like the backs of the cards. I think they look fantastic. I'm not sure I have much of an opinion, to be honest. <laughs> I think my main opinion about the back of the card is that I wish it was a little more immediately obvious which side, it, which way is up and which way is down. Uh, that that might have been a that might have been a, a uh, thing that they missed. Uh, like because in the original game it was very obvious which one was up and down uh, because it was written on the back. <laughs> yes, a deck master game, right? Indeed. Yeah, no. I guess I don't really have an opinion on uh, green, purple versus red, blue. Although, I, you know, it makes me wonder. Does it say anything that the corp is blue? You know, as you write, blue's usually the good guys, red's usually the bad guys, right? That's how your lightsabers are colored. Yep. I don't know. There was. I wonder if that came up in a meeting or whatsoever, if I'm just uh, drastically overthinking things. According to the uh, well-fed and easily manipulated masses, the corpse are the good guys, and the runners are the bad guys. Are we talking about the well-fed and easily manipulated masses within the setting, or within out here? Within the setting. Okay. I, I don't think I've met a, uh, a Netrunner player that thinks the corpse are actually good guys. <laughs> uh, so I know we have not seen much of them yet but is there anything in particular that you've seen so far that you're looking 
forward to out of the first of the data packs. I'm looking forward to traces being more useful, in which which case I'm also looking forward to rabbit hole being more useful. Because um, I, I can consistently hit six link in my uh, shaper deck, and it currently means absolutely nothing. Um, but I know that uh, Hospiroid is getting a fantastic upgrade that basically is Red Herrings Plus. Wow. Um, it, they do a Trace 4, and if it's successful, the runner can't access any other cards from the server. And the trash cost of it is 3, as opposed to the 1 in Red Herrings. But yeah, yeah, that that's actually the reason right now my my runner deck because it sounds like you you know maybe keep seven together. I only have one really built at a time. Is my runner deck is criminals because I figure once Genesis hits, then I then I'll want to make go back to the shaper. <laughs> Indeed, uh, I I think the new uh, Anarch uh, guy. Wizard? Wizard. I think Wizard... I, I, I don't particularly like him. I feel like his ability is way too easy to work around. Um, though I obviously haven't played with him, so I don't know if... It, I, in three months I'm going to be speaking it's just completely different tune. I feel like... I, I can't wait for NBN to have another two-point agenda so I can get priority acquisition out of my deck. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see where it's going. I got a chance to actually speak with, uh, I think his name is Lucas, the head designer of the game at Gen Con. Um, and he he seems really enthusiastic about the game and really seems to know what he's doing. So I'm excited. That's cool. Another thing that I should mention before I accidentally forget it and end the interview uh, is, I mean, you you mentioned Board Game Geek. You're, you've been writing some articles recently for a website that have also been cross-posted on the Geek. What's the address for the the actual website if people wanted to go and look at that? It's uh, netrunning.weebly.org, I think. Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y? Yeah. Okay. It's .com. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, one of the big decisions when you're making a, a Netrunner deck is what you're going to blow your influence on. What are the cards that you think of as go-to cards to grab out of faction? I feel like... I actually wrote an article about this. I feel like Stimhack and Special Order and Diesel are just really, really great. Special Order being the only tutor for runners, and it tutors for the only thing you actually want. is really good. <laughs> Snare uh, and Red Herrings. Snare ha ends up in every runner deck I play, no matter what, because I don't know any circumstance where you would be sad that the runner suddenly doesn't have three cards in his hand, or you randomly won. 
Uh, <laughs> plus, uh, when your Hospiro deck randomly tags the runner and suddenly you can trash those resources that they expected to have for the next three turns, it's kind of good. Archive memories, sacrificial constructs are really good. Red herrings, I already said. A wild side is really good. I'm actually running that in my uh, Shaper deck, Stimhack, I think I already said, but it bears repeating because I think that's probably one of the most underrated cards that anyone plays. Because it is basically a hard counter to both Red Herrings and uh, Nisei MK2, which, as I mentioned earlier, is best agenda in the game. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it does not suck. <laughs> now, something that was not really on that list of, of go-to cards to pull in was Ice, but I think there's a lot of conventional oh, wisdom that you need a really large stack of ice that I, in a corp deck, that's really, that I always feel I have a hard time getting to without pulling from other factions. What kind of ice count do you like to build in a corp deck, and how often do you end up going out of faction to get to that number? Well, as of right now, I do go out of faction basically for probably about half of my ice. Um, I know my NBN deck is running Tollbooth, er, well, Tollbooth is in faction, isn't it? It's running Roto Turret and Archer and uh, Wall of Thorns and Ice uh, and Wall of Ice. Um, so I feel like you basically have to go out of faction for a really big portion of your ice, which is why Wall of Thorns being uh, one influence point while Ice Wall being one influence point, Roto Turret being one influence point, Archer being, I think, two, means that, like, you're hoping that you're... Uh, it's really good that a lot of these cards have such low influence points since you want so many of them. Do you like Archer so much specifically because NBN has all those little low-cost agendas? Or are you actually just willing to chuck two-point agendas in a random game to bring it out? Archer is the only reason I'm running Breaking News, to be honest. Uh, I didn't run Breaking News. I was just going to do a speed deck built essentially around San San. Um, but Archer has insane stopping power and only really works if you can catch the runner off guard. Um, so you need to be able to chuck an agenda. I have chucked a two-point agenda into Archer and been completely happy in doing so. Um, but I, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't run Archer in Haas Byroid, um, despite the fact that a free Archer is real fun uh, if your beta test is successful, because they don't have any one-point one-point uh, agendas. Well, I know I, I dragged this away from the the actual icebreaker tournament, and I didn't let you get to to talk about that uh, very much, Kempi. What were your? I mean, just over the course of the games, what were your favorite moments from that tournament? I had 
in the finals of the uh, or the final round of the uh, Swiss rounds, I was playing basically a mirror match. Uh, my opponent was playing Jinteki and Shaper, and for her first turn, she put out a, a card in an unprotected server, and my first action was to run on it, and it ended up being Nisei MK2. So that was fun. The look on her face when I made that run was priceless. Also, during the, the Swiss rounds, um, I saw someone use a stem hack to run on a server that was only protected by a matrix analyzer. Pro tip, that this would actually guess really be a pro tip since I'm the only winner. Uh, if you want to use stim hack, you probably want to use it on something that's really heavily iced so that you can use all of the credits that you get from it. <laughs> Before it damages that little brain of yours. Well, yeah. It does do brain damage. It is not something to be played lightly. I feel in the semi-finals round, uh, I had an opponent that had, in two different occasions, the opportunity to trash a Milan's mining corp, and didn't. And that was probably solely because we were playing at one in the morning. By the way, the uh, there's a video of me playing Netrunner uh, in the finals on YouTube, and I look like slightly more of a douchebag than I am because we started at 1.45 in the morning um, and I'm jittery and I'm shaking and I don't drink uh, caffeine and I think in that moment I was absolutely not okay with that fact. <laughs> uh, I, you just keep telling yourself that. We'll check you into the real-life hack rehab facility. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, you talked about you and, and Kevin jointly getting each other into L5R and Netrunner back in the day. So, if I'm lucky, we've got both L5R people who are regular Strange Assembly listeners listening to this, and we've got Netrunner people who are in here, so... What would you say to Netrunner players about why they should play L5R? And what would you say to L5R players about why they should try out Netrunner? I feel like L5R players should play Netrunner because you get the same feel of your decisions really matter. Um, you get the same, oh, what I should I be doing on, as this action? And you get the feeling that single actions can make your entire game. Um, and I guess that would be exactly the same for Netrunner players going into L5R. Um, you get, you get these circumstances where single actions in L5R really can make your game. I know I've had more than one, uh, time that I've thought, man, if I had just done this one thing, I might have been able to pull that game out, and I didn't. Um, and I don't see that as much in, say, Magic, where, like, you get decks that can play themselves and decks that are built to play themselves. Um, I feel like L5R is a little bit less forgiving in deck construction, and Netrunner is a little bit less forgiving in gameplay. 
Um, but I feel, on the whole, both games really make you think. And I feel like people that are into either would probably enjoy the other. Okay. That is all the questions that I had, Kempi. Did you have any final thoughts you wanted to impart from on high about uh, Netrunner before we sign off today? I feel like right now is the time to get in. Um, I know I I was looking, before Netrunner was released, I was looking at getting into a Game of Thrones and the different packs that are out. I think they've coming, they're coming out with one a month, and it's been going for four years, and it's just absolutely daunting to get the card base to be able to play. Um, I feel like people that want to play Netrunner should play should really try and get into the game now, um, just so that they don't get overloaded with the with some weird you need to run card that's going to come out in three sets. Probably. Do, do you know? Does Fantasy Flight ever do environment resets with their living card games? I know that with uh, a Game of Thrones, they've been talking about doing an environment reset, um, simply because there's just so many cards. Um, I'm really hoping they do it, at least partially due to the fact that I, from what I've played of the game, I really enjoy it, and I would enjoy getting into it if I could. Um, so... If Fantasy Flight is listening, environment resets are a really good thing. Perhaps not... They can fix what you might think is wrong with the game without having to get into serious power-creepy issues. But I really am hoping that this doesn't become like an overarching trend so you get to the point, like in Magic, where in in uh, what a year and a half, all the cards that you just bought are completely useless. I just think they need to find a happy medium. Yeah, well, that's always a, a difficult sort of challenge. I mean, magic is big enough that it can have the happy medium of your card. I mean, your cards don't become useless because you can go back and play in Legacy or Extended, or I mean, I guess Extended is the the thing, but you know, you've got the they get to have the tier system, right? You've got the uh the block constructed format and then you've got type standard and then extended and so your your things cycle but you always have a reason to buy the newest stuff and you then have a a reason to to hang on to it. That's I mean unless you are as massive as magic though, I don't know if anybody else has really has a solution to that. If you don't reset, then things can tend to get out of control out of control. And maybe Fantasy Flight has been able to avoid that because four years of cards is still relatively speaking a small number of cards, I think, as compared to to say what Magic is releasing. But uh, at some point it becomes such a barrier to entry. Yeah. I think the barrier to entry is the big problem. If they can get... If they can... Uh, they've been doing this for a long time. I'm not sure I'm, I have any 
room to talk, even if I did win the first icebreaker tournament. But I'm, I am hoping that the game is conducive to new players in a year and a half. Um, and if they can do that, I will be happy. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously they've been doing something right with all their existing LCGs. I, I don't think they've had to, unless I'm misrecalling something, they haven't had to, you know, like, kill any of them because they, you know, weren't making enough from continued sales of the new expansion packs. So, uh, I mean, and they're so, continuing to come out with new LCGs. Yeah, so. you could make an argument that they probably should kill, uh, probably should kill uh, Warhammer that's been kind of out of control since its, since its inception. That's really a sales question, not a... <laughs> I mean, ultimately, a quality you know, if the people who are playing it like it, and I think that... That will so, trump whatever my opinion is, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well, and and uh, for for what it's worth, uh, I mean, since as we're, as we're recording this, the Dice Towers in their what, like 20% of the way through their top 100, but I, if I recall correctly, Warhammer Invasion did squeak into the top 100 games, so certainly they have, uh, even in the, you know, broader board game community, they have enough people who are enthusiastic about that to, to vote for it as one of their favorite games ever. So, there, again, clearly, I, I haven't played Warhammer Invasion, so I, I don't have a clue, but clearly they're doing something right. Well, yeah. Uh. <laughs> it, like, I, I know there are lots and lots of people that love Cosmic Encounter, and it's just not my cup of tea. So, <laughs> Fantasy Flight is not necessarily building towards me in particular, but they're doing a few things that I really like. Well, so. I, that that's probably why they release more than the one game a year, so they can appeal to a variety of people. I mean, I'm also... I. We'll we'll see what happens. I uh, Netrunner is the first LCG that I've actually bought, and I also am kind of enthused to see the Star Wars LCG when it hits later. So, which I which should happen by the end of the year. So, uh, we'll we'll see how much they can Hoover out of my pockets. Okay, we're probably wandering a bit off of the. Kempi is awesome for having won the Icebreaker Tournament. Uh, By the way, <laughs> true story. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, thanks for coming on the the show, Kempi. Yep, it was okay. it was a pleasure as always. Yes, and I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Have a nice day. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter Strange assembly either place. Thanks for listening.